Welcome back. Chriscast episode two. We've managed to make it to a second episode of this. Contrary to all the people that said we would fail, we've got there. Following the same kind of format that we had last week, we'll be talking to Chris. Say hello, Chris. Hello there, everyone. First thing to cover, Liz Truss and her comments. If you look at Northern Ireland or Scotland, independence is very much um, a question again. And you know, what is your plan to reverse that? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I, no, I don't no, suppose not, you are planning to build any walls. No, I was, I was, I went to primary school in Paisley in Scotland, and I went to secondary I school, oh, and you did too. Maybe we were in the same class. <laughs> anyway, um, I and I feel like I'm a child of the union. That I really believe we are a family, and we're better together. And I think the best thing to do with Nicola Sturgeon is ignore her. I think she's. <laughs> I think. She's first minister, though. She's got a democratically elected position yeah, just as you would. I'm sorry, she's an attention seeker, Seb. I think the only phrase that I could use, as this is a family show, Alistair, <laughs> is in the name of the wee man. <laughs> in the name of the wee man. I mean, honestly, I mean, I think Liz Truss' campaign, probably similar to Sunak's, I have never come across two equally unimpressive candidates for prime minister ever in my lifetime. Um, everything she says, she seems to roll back. She, she rolled back in regional pay. She seems to be rolling back in other things, including this when she said that uh, the devolved administration should be ignored. Now, she obviously made a comment with Nicola Sturgeon, saying that Nicola Sturgeon should be ignored, and then uh, made some derogatory comment towards the Welsh First Minister as well. So, yeah, Mark Trayford. The usual embedded disrespect Yes. for the devolved administrations and uh, it's, it's quite clear that the Conservative Party, if Liz Truss is a successful candidate, that the Tory party's decline in Scotland will uh, continue. I actually think the First Minister dealt with it very well with yeah. really good humour. Yeah. The Tories are the Tories and the, uh, I think probably more importantly though, they do not seem to have any answers for the cost of living crisis. No, there's nothing, is there? Everybody's still on holiday, aren't it, they? It's all about tax cuts. Parliament uh, should be recalled to discuss this because things are very serious now. And you're seeing a number of pieces of industrial action which I think is probably going to intensify. And you have no support whatsoever and nothing in the Conservative Party contest to talk about how to support people at the bottom, those who are earning low wages, who are on universal credit, who are struggling to pay bills. There's nothing about, you know, capping energy prices. Now, I obviously would think we should be looking at uh, bringing them into public ownership, but there's nothing about capping energy prices. When you think about what Macron was able to do in France with a 4% yep. cap, you've got countries like Belgium who have social tariffs. And I think that's important for people who are on prepaid meters because yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll know, you'll I know, Alistair, that uh, people who are on prepaid meters are paying more for their uh, electricity and gas units than people who are not on prepaid meters. That's very important. A couple of other things going on. Um, I've saw at the weekend that the government are minded now to put forward compensation, at least in an interim payment, on for those 
who are affected by contaminated blood and their partners. The devil will, of course, be in the details. But I understand that's about in the next couple of days. Uh, we'll give that a cautious welcome uh, until we see the detail of that. I can probably say something further, but this is something that myself and uh, constituents have been involved in for a very long time yep. in ensuring that there's justice for those people. And I want to thank uh, Cathy McDonald for giving a shout out to the Waspy women, and she's right. Uh, just to reiterate my support for the Waspy women um, and another injustice. Uh, all these historical injustices are happening in Alistair and I'll continue to fight every historical injustice. And one of the big ones, of course, is the Waspy women, many of whom were never notified that they were to work on and uh, that they retired age had been moved so I'll be continuing to raise that in Parliament so following on from that Liz Trust debacle there it's quite faint but in the audience you can clearly hear somebody shout build a wall I don't know if it's a Trump Republican that snuck in there or whether they've all turned that way well that's not the first time they've said that <laughs> Tony MPs have uh, oh, I, uh, talked about yeah. building walls before it's just the, the usual disrespect look it's quite clear Whatever your view of the constitutional future of the country, it's up to the Scottish people to decide. Absolutely. They don't get to tell us, uh, no, you can't have things. Yes. No, no, uh, no, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, so that's not that's not um, their prerogative. It's it's not an equal partnership under any scheme. Which way which way you look at it? Well, is when it? you get comments like that, you have to question yeah. whether there is an equal partnership. Obviously, our view, Alistair, is that Scotland would be better as an independent nation for a whole host of reasons, socially, politically, economically. It's just an incredible behaviour that they think that they can stop things. They don't get to tell the people they can't do in terms of their uh, future and what they want, as simple as that. Absolutely. And then Rishi Sunak decided that he was going to one-up and Liz Trust to hold his beer while he told us that he would be introducing what appears to be concentration camps for people that do not like Britain. Quite similar to Vladimir Putin's views on Ukraine and Chinese views on the Uyghur population. Talking in the office this morning is how we're all excited to be going to the first camps and wondering where they will be located and what we'll have to do to fall into line with the British mentality. Well, someone uh, said to me when I met them at the various events I was at this week that the Tories want to go back to the, the 80s and I think it's not the 1980s, it's, it's the, the 1880s. 1880s. <laughs> 1880s they want to go back to. You know, workhouses, Ebenezer Scrooge is a philanthropist compared to some of these people. Absolutely. But I think their uh, policies, uh, particularly around what, what they call woke issues, uh, it's not a phrase I like, is just complete and utterly barmy. They think they're in some episode of Mind Your Language or uh, or Thy uh, Neighbour. But what they have to realise is that these were uh, often parodies and uh, the Tories are becoming a parody of themselves. Absolutely. I can, I can only imagine what international observers are thinking as they watch on now. Brilliant analysis there about what's going on down the road and the insanity of the Tory leadership. Time now for some local news. What's been going on, Chris? What have you been involved with? Yeah, thanks. So... A number of visits, uh, obviously with Parliament being in recess, went to see the Paul United summer camp with the kids asking wonderful questions about politics as well as other issues. Uh, someone had, had suggested that the only reason Boris Johnson's Prime Minister is because the voting machines were rigged. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately that's not the case, but I, I gave that particular young person uh, points for it. But in, in all seriousness, no, that, that was a good visit. I met the new Chief Executive. I was able to demonstrate my skills on the football pitch for 
on for a few moments. I went to see Maslow's a great uh, facility in Govan uh, which assists uh, asylum seekers and refugees with all sorts of uh, clothing, furniture, all of that. They've been having some problems with their shop but they're also uh, looking at moving. That, that was a worthwhile visit. A highlight was probably the launch of the Govan mural next yes, to the Riverside yeah. Hall. Friday there, yeah. Uh, the level of detail and artistic work that's gone into that is extremely impressive. It yeah. really is. And it's obviously there to uh, celebrate the Govan Housing Association's 50th anniversary. Yeah. But I also took the opportunity, uh, and I was uh, honoured to meet the daughters of Jean Melvin, who was a community a- activist for decades, and I had tabled at an early day motion to celebrate Jean's contribution to the Govan community. That was uh, that, that was a particular highlight. Saw the great uh, safety awareness group, yeah. uh, Fumne, a fantastic yeah. uh, person, just about the work that she's doing and we're going to help her. One of the projects she's looking at is to help those who've suffered baby loss, perhaps uh, trying to take, tee up some funding to make sure that we can support some baby loss awareness week activities. So that's something that we'll be pursuing as an office and saw the minister uh, at Hillington Park Church uh, as I have with other organisations we're looking at some food aid projects for the Cardonald Ward and we'll be able to update to our uh, listeners and constituents uh, going forward uh, on that Sad, sad that the fifth richest company in the world is still relying on food banks from local organisations Not really acceptable, is it? Well, um, there's definitely... uh, parts of food aid, you've got food banks obviously which is the absolute emergency but you're seeing the developments of the pantry or the community supermarket at Three Hills which should be signed off this week and the builders moving in uh, which will be based at Nets Hill. We've obviously given help and support to Govan Help for the, the, the uh, Govan Pantry and so we're looking at something in Cardonald. I think going back to your point um, there is a phrase that people can't afford to heat or eat. It's yeah. not a phrase that I'm particularly happy about <clears throat> or use because there are some people whose circumstances are such that they can't afford to do either. And what's, I think, becoming clear, and you're seeing this right across the, the uh, UK, our organisations that are providing food aid have also providing fuel vouchers and other things. So there's a real cost of living crisis out there and it's not just people who are not working, there are people who are working uh, because their wages are so low who are in uh, similar circumstances. So we need to try and put these measures in place uh, at a local level, um, whilst obviously arguing that there, there should be other measures to, to uh, stop these things. But if they're not going to do that, then we have a responsibility to help out locally. So, and that's what I, what I intend to do. Got some events coming up at the weekend. Got some more visits uh, penciled in for this week. Today I'm going to see one of the veteran charities. And um, we've got two community events coming up on Saturday at Nets Hill, and I look forward to meeting constituents. What are those community events? Well, the community, there's two community events. One's in Nets Hill that's organised by Greater Public Services, and the other one is uh, next to the Nets Hill Bowling Club, which is organised by the Levern Bank uh, Neighbourhood Watch. They should be two good events, and there'll be an opportunity to, to catch up with constituents there. To raise the levity after those quite serious matters going on elsewhere, it's time for the nerd spot. As mentioned before, if you've got a question for Chris about some of the procedures or things that happen in Westminster, get in touch with us at the usual contact details, which will be up on the end screen of this podcast. But we thought we'd start today off with points of order. 
A point of order, Chris. A point of order. Well, the speakers will no doubt argue <coughs> that the overwhelming number of points of order are not actually points of order. <laughs> the, the the principle of points of order is to raise procedural matters uh, in the House and to ask how those can be remedied. You will see points of order uh, rightly with the government making announcements which they haven't brought to the House. All announcements should... Governments tend to uh, try and avoid scrutiny, especially Westminster ones. So there can be points of order about that. There can be points of order about constituency cases and not answering constituency cases. Written questions not being answered to in time. Uh, so th there's opportunities to raise all of these things. Usually the Speaker will say, well, that's not a point of order, but here is the remedy. And I know the Speaker um, is uh, pretty hard on the government for announcing things without coming to the House of Commons. Yes, they, they always take a dim view of that. And funnily enough, if someone tables an urgent question on that very topic, it's more likely to be granted. But I, I mean, I have raised a number of uh, points of order in the past around some of these issues and the government sneaking out announcements yep. uh, and written statements and not uh, as oral statements in the House of Commons because that gives an opportunity for MPs to ask questions on what, what, what they're doing. Without these uh, points of order, Obviously, the government would try and sneak through as much as possible. So it's a good, it's a good thing to have the point of order available. To it's you. a good parliamentary device yeah. to raise issues. Yeah. The next thing, early day motions. Now we do a fair few early day motions. Basically, it's a recognition of people in the community, isn't it? Well, it can be. I, I certainly use it for that purpose. I, it's uh, another device in order to raise issues, whether that can be issues that are happening in terms of government policy or praising local communities or praising uh, particular individuals and their work within the community. And it's a parliamentary device to do that. In order for the motion to be heard on the floor of the House, it needs 250 signatures. It tends not to happen because the government and the opposition front bench have, as their part of their protocol, they tend not to sign early day motions, although they do make exceptions uh, on occasion. But I think it's a, a device in which I think community groups uh, should be congratulated, and I think it does help them with their funding applications when they're able to say that their, their work's been recognised um, by the House of Commons. Individuals who uh, have made an enormous contribution to the community uh, or the trade union movement or other organisations, I think that's important to recognise that. And I think the families appreciate that, that that's been done. Uh, so it's another device, I think, to raise issues and to raise as many yep. issues as I can on behalf of constituents of Glasgow Southwest. There is a blue book, it's called the EDM book, and you put your signature next to the motion yep. and then you hand it into the table office and they then allocate your name to the particular early day motion. So <clears throat> so that's one, of, that's one of when I'm at Westminster, that's one of my breakfast activities, is that when I'm having breakfast I also go through the EDM book and place my name um, and I think I was once given into trouble by a newspaper for <laughs> signing the most EDMs and beating Jim Shannon who was most annoyed that I'd beat him on them but I think it's uh, I, I do think it's important that MP should uh, recognise the, the contribution of many people out there and also government policy issues. We've raised EDMs on a number of uh, issues and particularly in relation to the civil service civil service job cuts for example yeah. or any industrial action for example, yeah. it gives people a boost that they're that they that's recognised in Parliament. It's just another device in, in order for us to raise things that we right. believe are important to the community and, and to constituents.
ask about what's coming up in the next week then, Chris, as far as constituency matters is concerned. Well, I've got a number of visits uh, pencilled in this week. I've got a visit to the Disability Health Assessment Centre. Oh, really? Which will should be an interesting visit, yeah. and there'll be some pertinent questions <laughs> asked. Yes. Uh, perhaps they may be viewed as impertinent, we'll see. <laughs> but very important that we do that because we have an inquiry at the moment in the Select Committee on Disability Assessment Centres. I've got other visits pencilled in, uh, looking forward to those. And probably at the weekend, I hope to see as many constituents as I can at the two community events in Nitz Hill. So there's one that's being organised by Great Public Services and the other one is being organised by the Levern Bank Neighbourhood Watch. So that's two community events and I look forward to seeing and meeting constituents at these events coming up. Brilliant. And surgeries this week? Surgeries this week. So uh, we have slots available for your surgery at the Pierce Institute in Govan, which kicks off at 11 o'clock, and we still have slots available for our surgery at 1pm at Cruising Community Group. And those are both on Friday? Both on Friday, and if people can phone, if they want an appointment, 0141 883 0875. Excellent. Obviously, these contact details will be up on screen for you. Finally, community organisations. Um, first shout that we want to do is for CAB. Um, they have an outreach uh, surgery here at the office on Fridays between 10 and 1. Now they are very busy, so you, if you want to make a booking, just go right ahead and call us on the office. They will be able to assist you with uh, things like PIP. Attendance allowance as well. Yep. A, a, a whole range of measures. A very important service, Alistair. We've, yep. we've, we've been able to establish that in Glasgow, uh, the number of successful appeals for benefit is higher than it is in Scotland as a whole, and that's primarily, I believe, down to the advice services that are out there. Uh, the Advice Bureau and Money Matters collaborative work with the Governor Law Centre as well so a, a shout out to those organisations to thank them for their work across the constituency. And finally a shout out again for Finmi, uh, a very well known constituent of ours. Chris tell us about Finmi's work. Yeah so Safety Awareness Glasgow was uh, set up in 2015 to uh, educate, encourage and support uh, vulnerable individuals and organisations to teach them about health and safety. Community and people led organisation that promotes safety and general well-being of people in the community, wish to help new Glaswegians in particular, settling into life in Scotland with a range of issues including cyber safety, climate change awareness, personal safety and more. So an excellent organisation and for people who want to know more about that organisation, their website is safetyawarenessglasgow.org.uk or you can email them at admin at safetyawarenessglasgow.org.uk Episode number two, done and dusted. If you want to get on for episode three, please drop us a line. Let us know your organisation that you want mentioned or if you've got a question for the nerd sport or a question for Chris about general work as an MP, by all means get in contact. We have the usual uh, contact sites. We have Facebook, the email, phone the office up. And we have just launched Instagram. Now, we're not going to do TikTok because Chris can't dance. So How do you know I can't dance? Because I've been to weddings that you've been at and I've seen you attempting to not dance. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks, see you next week. Thank you. Thanks very much, everyone.